what is up y'all corn you know i don't know man if i have seen someone and i think i said this a while back when he first came on the network was i don't know if i've seen someone with someone someone with the drive and passion to make it in the industry like i've seen with with you and um you know that's my boy that dude 2020 i like the name the, Where did the, the, the drive and fire and passion in some people is not quite there for this type of an industry because it's cutthroat it's very you know up and down roller coaster of emotion So I don't know if I've seen a person, though, who probably has been so appreciative of a chance that they were given. Corn, like I've said, though, man, is, um, you know, again, you're one of the new guys on this network. And again, I know that you're very appreciative, though, of of me kind of giving you the shot here. But it how did you get blocked by LeBron James on Twitter? I don't know if I've seen so much drive and energy and passion uh from someone maybe other than me from this industry. And Ron is truly a rising star in this industry. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go at people and he's a guy that you want to go to bat for. And I'm so thankful that he's part of our network. That's right, folks. That one dude, 2020 here, right on the MI6 Sports Network. All the takes that you don't want to hear are frankly going to be heard on the show. But joined once again by Simon Gillespie. But my man, how are we doing today? Man, dude, I'm awesome. I'm honored to be back on your show. Thanks for having me, a returning guest, and definitely grateful for the opportunity to be able to shop it up with you today. How are you doing today, John? Sure, man, doing pretty good, folks. I know there's some takes you may disagree with, but that that that's okay. Maybe I'll break his sports heart once again today. <laughs> Who really knows at this point? But again, folks, breaking news really out of the world of basketball is that Terrence Clark, I believe, it was about a day and a half ago, who was just finished working out with his friend in L.A., got it unfortunately in a car crash accident. And Stephen, this is why I kind of tell people is that we're not really guaranteed these next five ten minutes we we get all cocky like oh my gosh i have this many followers or oh my gosh i have this and that but what does this really your opinion show people about how we shouldn't really take we should take advantage of pretty much every second we have on this planet i mean immediately when i heard this uh this news i was actually in the middle of putting on one of my shows for breaking the game and I was kind of keeping up with the news as the show was progressing. We were in the middle of doing an award show and I saw the takes and it just immediately your heart sinks. And, you know, the more details that you figure out as it comes along, a more trusted sources start putting out information, then it feels more real. Um, it was just really difficult to to really kind of tolerate, you know, Terrence Clark. Um was involved in that car crash. Um, details were that his mother was alongside him when he passed away. Um, that, you know, prayers for the Clark family, that poor woman, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. And his buddy and former, you know, Kentucky teammate, uh, BJ Boston was in the car behind him and rumors started coming out at first that he too had passed, but, um, you know, more clarifying information, more trusted information came out saying that he was involved in a car crash, but he would be okay. Um, and I just told my network, man, like I, I told him, you know, I love y'all. appreciate everything y'all do every day. 
you know, they're my, you know, they're like my family, you know, um, they're my brothers. Um, I, I don't just talk sports with them. You know, I talk life with them too. And, uh, I just told people, man, like not every day is given to us, you know, and it's just a reminder that this world is not our home. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be another day where we don't have to worry about things like this. And, um, you know, it just reminds you, you know, to tell everyone that you love them while you can. And that, um, you know, if you got any apologies or, you know, grievances to kind of get over or hash out with somebody, you know, you, you're not guaranteed tomorrow to be able to do that. So, um, real tragic news coming out of, you know, the basketball world, you know, all, all indications were that Terrence was going to be a uh, first round draft pick this season. He was 19 years old, um, from the Boston area was really close with guys like Kimball Walker, Jason Tatum, uh, you know, they're, a, a number of great stories have come out about how how truly incredible this young man was. Uh, he and he wasn't doing anything nefarious, you know. He was just he was training, getting himself ready, you know, once in a lifetime opportunity ahead of him. And uh, apparently, there was some indication that he may have ran a red light, which you know I don't know the details behind that per se, but it's you know it's just one of those things, man, where your heart breaks for the kid and his family. Definitely, like I tell people, there's a lot of stories that we like, and this one, I mean, I don't know, I guess, what else to tell people. I mean, we love sports, we love everything, and that's where one of those stories, man, if I hope that it really brings people together. I know that you're with a different number, but having you on, we talk off and on camera. I think mm -hmm. that's really what matters. It's not about, you could have, even if you had 50 million subscribers, I don't care. I mean, I don't approach it like that. I don't treat you any different. I think just having those type of people around, that's why I like this network. Because believe me, dude, if we confirmed postal calls on our network, the currency, we would probably be richer than Bill Gates. But no matter how late it is, man, it's definitely worth it here, folks. But again, y'all, um, unfortunately, Terrence Clark, unfortunately, died in a car accident at 19 years old. But Frank comes in saying, I like this dude. He's fun to listen to. Just don't go at his guy, Giannis. Come playoff yeah. time. When uh, potentially something does happen, maybe he comes back on. Who knows, my man, Brandon, but uh, we'll Appreciate see Appreciate you, Brandon. Thank you for your kind words, brother. <laughs> Definitely, without a doubt, man. But dude, going to the NFL, this is extremely frustrating. As a Broncos fan, the Chiefs get richer and richer and richer. I mean, my gosh here, dude, I'm about to give up on Jock. But Orlando Brown, one of the most talented guys at his position, goes to the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, what are your thoughts on that, and how does this really put pressure, I guess you could say, either on the Broncos to really get something going this year? I mean, Broncos have pressure all the way around, no matter how you look at it, because not only do you have the Chiefs, but the Chargers look like they're about ready to take another step. You say what you want about the Vegas Raiders and Gruden and his on-off relationship with Carr, but you can about every season that I'm ready for them to take a leap, they disappoint me. But about every season I'm ready to write them off, they surprise me. So they kind of live in limbo a little bit there. And Denver, they're they're in an offensive-driven division, and they have the worst quarterback in that division. You know, so um, we did a mock draft on breaking the game. Excuse me, off the ball networks um, mock draft and. I actually picked for Denver, and I got you guys uh, Trey Lance. Uh, I'm not the biggest Lance guy, but I think you have to swing for the fences at a quarterback in order to be relevant in that in that division. 
Uh, the defense is not all that bad. That you got guys on every level that can be impact players and contribute. And the offense, I mean, really, it was the inconsistent play of Locke that kind of plagued you guys last year, right? So um, he was the guy that everybody saw him seeing put on by Young Jeezy, and everyone wanted him to be the next big thing, and it just never caught on. Uh, you know, he's got the look. He wears the short sleeves. I mean, he looks cool. He acts cool. He just kind of has to be a, a, an NFL-level quarterback. So, And that's the most difficult part of the job. But I think it's interesting, though, with the Kansas City Chiefs, they it's not like they just were given you know Orlando Brown and he is coming off an injury so it's not even fully guaranteed that he will be um you know the stalwart offensive lineman me personally I think that he will be uh they did give up a lot to get him but I don't necessarily think that the Ravens lost in this draft either cuz now they have two first round picks they got more picks down the line they can add they can at least add at least one receiver for Lamar Jackson to throw the ball to um, in our mock draft that we did on off the ball, we had a uh, Rashad Bateman falling to them, which I think would be a fair fair pick. But there's the the talent at the wide receiver position this season is deep. I think that you can add a quality receiver and still even add another offensive lineman to make up for what you lost. If if you're the Ravens, I don't necessarily think that either team lost, but we're not really going to know the results for another you know three four years down the line. Definitely for sure, man. And I don't know, looking at reports, why the Denver Broncos GM really does like Drew Locke. Because like you said, at the end, at the end of the day, folks, he said all final decisions still go to John Elway. So maybe it's like a whisper in his ear. I don't know. I don't know what to see in Drew Locke. I would rather have Alex Smith on the one. Any any quarterback you can think of. I'll take Trey Lance. I know North Dakota State, we saw the issues, the cars to wins, the injuries, and that the mentally on the field, in the pocket, we get all that. But Drew Lock. If you can compare Drew Lock, if I could find something here, compared to his mobility, get a piece of Elmer's glue and let it dry in the summer heat. It is, but it, get, it does nothing. It doesn't move, and that's basically what Drew Lock is. And first of all, number one, if you're listening, to Young Jeezy, clearly you're not listening to the right type of hip hop music. But that's for another conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely for another day, man. But of course, going. The, the NBA, though, is getting a lot closer and closer to the playoffs. I know we talk about Brooklyn, who, like I've said since the beginning of the year, the lack of not talent but playing on the field together. We talk about the brotherhood. We talk about the chemistry on the court. But with Kyrie taking some time off, KD is still wrestling with his injury. How do you think that impacts the Brooklyn Nets come playoff time this year? I've actually been talking to a number of people about this, John, and it's interesting that people are so freely wanting to throw out the term super team with them when their big three has only played seven games together. Uh, whereas in the Western Conference, you look at who the number one seed is, and it's the Utah Jazz, probably the most cohesion-based team in the NBA. They don't really have like a bona fide superstar on their team, but they have a lot of guys that do a lot of things really well. And they all buy into his system. They play team defense. They shoot the ball well. They rebound well. They listen to their coach. Quinn Snyder is a seems like a coach that you would want to run through a wall for. That's not to say that Steve Nash is not, but comparably speaking, the net the, the the Nets just don't have a, a together team. They added Lamarcus Aldridge and unfortunately had to retire due to health reasons. And they added Blake Griffin. So. They're seemingly just adding pieces without having any time to run together. Um, James Harden is out too, and I think that he's really the straw that stirs their drink. You know, uh, he 
came into this team, was willing to be the third option offensively, but the first guy to facilitate for others. And I think that that was an important part of this to their success. And we're seeing, you know, them and the 76ers kind of trade places in that Eastern Conference. And really, if I had to pick between those two this season, the talent would indicate Brooklyn, but the cohesion, the coaching, the the defensive identity that Philly has, I think that Philly is the is the better of those two teams. But I'm still not willing to count out Milwaukee either. Um, you may not like another sports thing I'm about to say in the NBA, so just brace it here, Stephen. But I I'm really call, I call him the Philly cheesecake at this point because we they have we see Joel and we know what they're about, Stephen. But they've never reached their full potential when it really matters. We talked about tanking. Tanking clearly doesn't work because if it's worked, it would have had a championship by now. Mm-hmm. He's saying the second or third round for some reason I don't know what it is, Stephen. At the worst possible time, the 76ers just can't get their groove together. And I know it's the Eastern Conference. You know what the Knicks are doing. We understand what the Cavs are not doing. But I just, I'm not convinced of them, not because of the lack of talent, but for some reason, that lack of talent is struggling to come together to really get it going deeper into well, the Well, John, if I, if I can try to persuade you uh, okay. on, on your take, really the coach that they had telling them to lose on purpose was then the coach that was trying to get them to win, you know? So when you have a culture that's this tanking culture with Brett Brown, he was the guy saying, all right, hey, like this is the master plan. We're going to lose. We're going to add all these high draft picks. And then I'm also going to be the same one to say, hey, look, this is how you play basketball the right way. It didn't really ever work out. Like, sure, they made the playoffs and they had some runs, but adding Doc Rivers, who has been an NBA championship level head coach, who has been in some really deep playoff runs, he really has been the foundation to that team. And it's really interesting to see a really talented team like Philadelphia get this accomplished and achieved head coach and a veteran head coach and knows, you know, defense is important and knows that, you know, cohesion and togetherness is important. Ben Simmons is actually the third option on this team now, instead of being the second, rightfully so, because Tobias Harris is actually pretty good on the offensive end. And Ben Simmons can then exert himself even more so on the defensive end. And he's probably right now my runner up for defensive player of the year. So I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss Philadelphia based on their past performance because now they have a different um, play caller in Doc Rivers. Obviously, it can be contradicting when you talk about coaches. Yeah, we're going to lose, but then we're going to win. Clearly, you know nothing about winning. Now, again, I, keep, I know I keep drilling at this, man, but you may not like this again. But Doc Rivers, even though he did have some success. High success. <laughs> I I don't. I just don't see it like in terms of getting to the finals. I understand like what he's done with the Celtics back in the day when Blockbuster was still around, but you saw him fall short time. And in regards of whoever you think is to play, I know you watch more basketball than I do, but with the Clippers for some reason, he just fell short. Of course, I do blame a little bit on him and a little bit on Kawhi for the ego and the pride having those issues last year, Kawhi and PG 13. Yeah. We're these bad dogs. We're going to, run this whole organization, everybody else doesn't get special treatment. I definitely think he's a great coach, but time and time again, when Doc Rivers is down, he he just doesn't get it done. But with how the East is this year, man, there's really not that many teams. I understand the Bucks. they can do maybe the Bucks, the Nets, or the Philadelphia 76 at this point. So you, you've convinced me a little bit. I just want to see come playoff time and like the, maybe the third or fourth game just because, again, hopefully Philadelphia can get it wrong. But, again, Brandon, Jeezy does get old. Don't, no, we're not has no conversation. 
for uh, another Jeezy, day. Jeezy was was around whenever I was, you know, in in um, junior high and stuff like that. So some of the older hip hop, you know, even predating him, you know, Coolio. <laughs> I remember Coolio. Yes, um, older hip hop kind of has a soft spot in my heart. So um, Jeezy definitely does not get old for me. But if you're younger, I get it. Totally understand what the way hip hop is these days, but kind of going really to back to really the NFL. Alex Smith retired, man. This, this, you know, I don't know. I know you follow college football, basketball. And what have you, if you had to describe Alex Smith in his career, what is maybe other a sentence or something you could share with the people out there that maybe haven't really followed football that much? So summarizing his career in one sentence, well, um, I would say solid. You know, he's not really one of these guys that I don't think is going to be Hall of Fame worthy. If he does get in, it's because, you know, the personal reasons. It's not going to be so much the on-the-field accomplishments. I mean, he was the number one pick coming out of Utah. He played underneath Urban Meyer, and that's kind of where Urban got his start for college ball coaching. But um, went to San Francisco, didn't really have the best career there and actually got you know moved on from i went to go play in philadelphia also got moved on from went to kansas city also got moved on from and then went to washington where he unfortunately had a career-threatening injury luckily enough was able to come back but there's really just not like a um, saturated market for an alex smith who an older quarterback who's losing mobility Never really had a strong arm to begin with. It was more of this, you know, field general type, so to speak. Um, one of the, or bus driver, you know, just made safe throws. Um, but with that being said, he wasn't ever a bad quarterback either. You know, I mean, he, you know, that you could count on him that when you put him in, that he's going to give your offense a chance to get down the field and, and, and score, which is the name of the game. You know, didn't really turn the ball over a lot. And there's something to be said for that, you know, because we see a lot of really young quarterbacks come in and one of the first things they have to get better at is taking care of the football. They have all these incredible athletic traits about them, but when it comes down to taking that next level, it's ball security. Alex Smith never had that. And he never tried to pretend that he was something that he wasn't. He wasn't a, you know, a short thrower guy and said, you know what, I'm just going to have to try to prove myself and become, you know, Joe Flacco when he ever he was, you know, with the Ravens, you know, so to speak, or Jay Cutler on, you know, for your Denver Broncos, right? You know, these guys that we say all the time for these deep ball throwers that, oh, they throw a pretty ball. Oh, they can throw 60 yards on their knees. Well, that's all well and good. But if you can't deliver the ball where it needs to be, it doesn't matter how hard or how far you can throw the ball. Alex Smith could could squeeze the football in some really tight windows. There is a reason why whenever one team was done with him, another team wanted him. And it is because he's a good decision maker. Um, never, You knew that your offense was going to be safe with him. I feel like some teams that had really great defenses, that had skill position guys, like if you put a younger Alex Smith on the, the Pittsburgh Steelers, they're a Super Bowl contender. You know, So there are certain teams that he could have gone to that could have took advantage of his skills. But he always kind of fell to these teams that, they wanted home run hitting plays. I mean, you look at what Kansas City offense is now. That's not Alex Smith's game. You look at what the Philadelphia Eagles were when Mike Vick took over. That wasn't his game. Look at what San Francisco did with, you know, Colin Kaepernick and some of the great talent that they had at the that wasn't his game. Washington was a place where 
they had Terry McLaurin and then, you know, Logan Thomas, there wasn't a lot of home run hitting plays. That's why they went and got an Alex Smith because they knew that he could work that intermediate game and take care of the ball. Definitely, man. I know we not talk about definitely maybe third ballot, really at best. But again, maybe some people could say, oh, he's a Hall of Famer because maybe because of sympathy. But I mean, when you think about his career, regardless of the numbers, he didn't have the accolades. He didn't have the simple rings. I get that. But in my time watching football, I've never seen a guy that was so tough. I mean, my gosh, you thought in 2008, I think 2007, 2008, oh, this guy's a bust. He's going to have this injury time and time again. He came back. Folks, if I encourage you, I don't know if you've watched this even the documentary about Alex Smith and that injury coming mm. back from that. But buyer beware for anybody that is cringeworthy on just a tiny bit of blood, this documentary is not for you. But for anybody else, I encourage you to watch it. There are some graphical images where he lost so much blood. They were gonna either have to cut his leg off. Yep. He almost died in surgery, 16 to 17 different surgeries i mean my gosh dude i when i watched i was just uh, even with my family that day and i saw that game I believe it against the houston texans they were five and four six and four in the year they were number one in the nfc east and at that point i honestly was worried because i understand like he wasn't the most interesting type of quarterback but seeing a, that type of injury we haven't seen that since joe theisman and that of course yeah. ended his career no of course that's a more physical type of game back then but I think whatever he does, I think it'd be interesting to maybe see him be a a quarterback coach or who really knows in the future. I agree. I think coaching would be or, you know, maybe even a color commentator or an analyst, so to speak, kind of like what Tony Romo does. I think that Alex Smith has football like he's he seems like a football lifer, you know what I mean? And his family is obviously one of the reasons why he retired. Not that they necessarily wanted him to, but, you know. He, he knows that he's getting older. He knows that his body is kind of giving way. It's a very physical game. There's a reason why you, you're you typically done at a certain age in football because the human body can only withstand so much. But even though he's not Hall of Fame worthy, and I think to, in today's society, it's like you're either a Hall of Famer or you're a bust. I don't live in that area. I believe that there you don't have to either be at level one or level 10. You know, there's a two through nine that we can operate in. And I think, you know, even though he's not a Hall of Famer, you can still respect his career. There's plenty of great football players that are not in the Hall of Fame right now that were one of the best at their position, one of the best, you know, of all time that still aren't even in the Hall of Fame. So the NFL Hall of Fame is kind of weird anyway, but um, that's a that's a whole nother show, <laughs> you know. <laughs> definitely without a doubt, man. I definitely he's not a Hall of Famer, but I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. He had a great career. If we could talk mm-hmm. about a lot of quarterbacks, obviously, I know I've been critical of Philip Rivers saying just slightly above average for cousins, but what can I appreciate about him and Alex Smith is the durability. Regardless if they don't have the accolades, we see a lot of quarterbacks nowadays when they get injured, they get frustrated. You can have the best talent, you can have the most money, but if you're injured, when you get down to injury, if it's life or death, how you handle it mentally and emotionally in that situation tells you how how smart you are, and that's you don't really see a lot of quarterbacks like that. But it did worry me, though. I believe it was the Los Angeles Rams game last year when Aaron Donald sacked Alex Smith. I was like, um, I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to think. But, I mean, that's just the type of quarterback he is, though. You're never – So, um, just real quick, I'm a Rams guy. Um. And for anyone who's listening who's not watching, I just flashed my uh, Rams flat bill hat that I have. I'm a Rams guy, and I did watch that game in that play. If you pay close attention, 
Donald knew what he was doing when he sacked Smith. He did not sack him to hurt him. If you watch, he jumped on his back, yes, but they were moving forward. He wasn't, you know, jump, he didn't jump straight up and then come down on his back, applying a lot of pressure to his legs. He went high on him when he did have a leg injury. So I think that Aaron Donald, yes, wanted to register that sack, but Donald's such a great pass rusher that he can look at a situation like that, understand who the quarterback is and his injury and say, how can I sack this guy without, you know, potentially ruining his career? You know, he uses forward momentum on the upper part of his back to bring him down without putting a whole lot of pressure on his lower body, which I think shows that Aaron Donald respect Smith, even though he wanted to <laughs> obviously sack him on that play. Definitely. I had no doubt Aaron Donald, who he is, I have no doubt he would never, ever try to do anything like that. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. So, but um, yeah, dude, that, that play really worried me, though. But as you see in the NFL, we're headed toward, from the 2002 to 2020. That era is slowly drifting away. Drew Brees retired. Philip Rivers retired. Perry Manning retired back in the day, man. And uh, maybe I sound like a boomer. Maybe people say, oh, I'm old fashioned, but. I really prefer the old-fashioned football days of the Eli Manning, the Peyton Manning, the Marshawn Lynch, AP, but um, who really knows at this time, man? Yeah, I don't necessarily have like a fit. Like, obviously, when you first get into the game, I think that's where your heart's going to be, and that's where you're going to make all your decisions based on. You know, I, I grew up watching basketball in the late 90s, early 2000s, and those players have a special place in my heart. Um, the talent level is a lot better in my opinion now the way that the game is played is a lot better now but i still love you know the jordan era i still love defense hand checking i still love that there are certain aspects of all games that you can look at now and say oh well you know i appreciate this i don't appreciate that what cracks me up is when people act like it just all of a sudden happened overnight you know what i mean like take take basketball for instance People say that the 80s and 90s, you know, after that period, you know, basketball was never the same since. But if you look at before the 80s and 90s, there wasn't a three point line. There wasn't a restricted area. You know, the whole the whole timing of the game was different shot clocks. You know, all of those things have changed every generation so often. So I try not to get so hung up on, you know, why when I started watching basketball or football, I think I thought it was a better style of play. I may love it more, but I try not to put my nostalgia factor onto what I think is or is not the best, because I think you end up taking away, you end up criticizing the game that you love. And I hate that about when I watch analysts say, Oh, this would have never happened back when I played because you're degrading the product that you're getting paid to cover. You know what I mean? That's just my personal philosophy. There's a lot of people that make a lot of money saying like, Jordan would never do this. Jordan would never, you know, like Jordan would get hit by a moving truck in the final spit out his kidneys and hit the game winning free throws. Like that's what people <laughs> say when they talk about Jordan, but they'll say like a six foot nine, 270 pound freak of nature. Couldn't have played basketball in the nineties. Like, come on, let's, let's be a little bit more realistic, put our feelings to the sides and just, you know, logically watch the game. I think the reason why I'm, feeling that way is not because oh i don't like the new era there's been a lot of great players i just think that slowly but surely my all the stuff from your child my childhood are Mm -hmm. really going away with all the great memories you had with with beast mode the giant super bowl i mean all these different it's going away over time and i'm okay with sean merriman i'll miss sean merriman you know merriman for the for the chargers that was one of my favorite pass rushers ever but you know 
to, he aged out pretty poorly because of a whole lot of other factors. But I'm kind of with you. I do miss certain aspects of like that 02 to 2000 time period that you're pointing out. There's some like the running back position. You don't need a number one running back anymore. Definitely, man, since the NFL is more of a quarterback-driven league. But kind of one of my last questions for you, man, is that the NFL draft is next week. But the funny part is, you know who Isaiah is? You know, I don't know if you watch any of the Oh, yeah, I love programs. that. Isaiah is my guy, the Asian Skip Bayless. <laughs> He's literally saying it is a log potentially for Zach Wilson to go to the 49ers. And we're doing a draft show this coming Thursday. And we are all having Mac Jones go to the 49ers because he's going to rage hard on air. He says he's going to break his computer. And uh, I just think that would just be a little bit of fun. So I don't think Zach will right now, the jets are projected to get Zach Wilson. And I don't think that they should. I actually just did a show before I got on here and there's five quarterbacks projected to go top 10, which I think is dumb. If I'm a general manager, I don't pick the fourth or fifth best player at a position over the best player at another position. Like I would take Kyle Pitts if I'm the Falcons. I would not take, you know, Mac Jones or um, Trey Lance at, at that spot. Uh, or I would take Panay Sewell over them too. I, if I'm the Jets, I take Panay Sewell over anybody because if I get a quarterback who's protecting him, he's going to get hit the crap out of just like Sam Darnold, who I just shipped out. You know what I mean? So <laughs> Wilson is going to be in just as bad of a spot this upcoming season that as, as Sam Darnold was when everyone chased him out. But um, I, if I'm the Niners and I am going quarterback, the second best quarterback in this draft to me is Justin Fields. And you can point at two games, which he won, by the way, and say that he under quote unquote underperformed. But his entire body of work is impressive to me. I think that he fits San Francisco hand in glove. Mac Jones is a freaking statue. You know, there's no escapability with his game at all. And do we really know anything about Mac Jones other than the fact that he was the quarterback for Alabama? Because he didn't get hit because of, he's got to have, what, two or three offensive linemen get drafted this season. He had the Heisman winning wide receiver, which that's the first time that's happened in like 20 seasons. He's going to have another wide receiver get drafted in the first round. He's going to have potentially his running back get drafted in the first round. And he's going to have a cornerback get drafted in the first round, all on his team. He reminds me so much of Matt Leinart that it's not even funny. And I've been I've been making those comparisons for months now before I even knew that Mac Jones potentially was going to be taken so high. I was saying that Mac Jones is Matt Leinart, but he's going to be taken in the bottom half of the first round. Now he's potentially getting taken third. He is Matt Leinart this year. And for those who don't know who Matt Leinart is. He played with Reggie Bush and Lindell White and a bunch of other really talented guys, and they made him look so good that the Arizona Cardinals drafted him. And there's a reason why you don't know his name. I think Mac Jones is going to be the same person. I'm very familiar with who he is because, again, first game was that his last game of college football, Hugh Jackson, Pete Carroll, the 06 Rose Bowl. So that name kind of has a bittersweet taste in my mouth. But, again, Isaiah, if you're ever watching this, Zach Wilson is not going to the San Francisco 49ers here. He's going all to the Jets. He's going to the Jets. And if you have to say anything else about another quarterback, all I have to tell you is off the weed. <laughs> I know all the crazy bets you made with saying you're going to shave your eyebrow off, but instead you paid off your, your friend here. But again, like talking about the Denver Broncos here, if I talk about a need, if I'm a GM, 
if you look at you talk about numbers again, you talk about Justin Fields again. That's where people I get frustrated with. They always just look at like the the numbers, completion percentage, the yards, the touchdowns. That's great. which he's great at, by the way. Well, see, he is. But I think those two games you were talking about, it's not just about the numbers. It's just about him getting the ball down the field, not getting feeling feeling under pressure. Even though he's under pressure, how does he handle that? You don't see that in the numbers there. I know people talk about the epilepsy and. I think that could be maybe somewhat of a concern, but again, I don't know anything about that to really make much comments about it. There's been enough NFL players who have had very successful careers with epilepsy. Didn't affect him in college. I don't know why all of a sudden they feel like it's going to turn into a giant monster while he's a pro. I think Justin Fields has the potential to have the best career out of all the quarterbacks in this draft class. I'm not saying that talent for talent, throw for throw, he's going to be better than Trevor Lawrence. But let's just say, for example, Trevor Lawrence goes to Jacksonville and Justin Fields goes to San Francisco. San, he, he has a potential to have a Russell Wilson-esque career where he comes in very young and is competing for Super Bowls, whereas Trevor Lawrence is going to have to go up against the Indiana Colts, who right now look like they're going to be the favorites in that division. Plus, that division and conference as a whole is no fun to come out of. So I think Justin Fields, depending on where he goes, he has the potential to have the best career out of any other quarterback in this draft class. You make a good point there. I think people are just not bringing it up all of a sudden because they like to nitpick t- t- tiny little things. This mm-hmm. is what drives me nuts because we go about this to Joe Burrow. Oh, look at his tiny hands and blah, blah, blah. And I talked to Carson Palmer about this, and it's like, that's insane. You're literally trying to nitpick any tiny little thing. Because mm-hmm. you don't like them. If you don't like them, I understand you got a grade in criticism. I get that. But there's a difference between criticizing a quarterback and just nitpicking tiny little things. That's like saying, oh, uh, somebody didn't want Heisman. Oh, you have a tiny pimple on your left ear. I mean, really, that's the part I don't understand. And this is where we talk about, yeah, I understand. But here's where I'm not as concerned, Stephen, is where you had people in his family that dealt with it, and they were able to outgrow that for sure. Yep. But talking about last thing, Broncos, they they weren't bad on defense last year. So I don't understand. You get Fuller, you get Ron Darby from Washington. See, even if you and I are GM, I think we could have had a better offseason than the current one for the Denver Broncos because they always go defense, defense, defense. And you make a great point. The offense is, if you could describe their offense before we head out, is to a ice cream, it's butter pecan. It doesn't, it sounds good. Oh, you got. Oh, you got Fernando Oh, wait, you got Butter Cut. Oh, wait, you got Drew Lock and his mobility. He he made destroyed the Texans in 2019. You had a great coach. Then you bring in Vic Fangio, who I said for since September or October, fire Vic Fangio. I started the hashtag, man. Those timeouts, man, it's just a. But what does John Elway do? He signed into a six year deal when he comes to the Denver Broncos. I mean, I, I don't, don't know. understand. I- it, it's it's insane. Uh, John Elway has made a number of bad decisions. I think the if Peyton Manning doesn't come to that team, I don't know how much longer John Elway gets to make decisions. You know, and it wasn't even because of Peyton Manning that that the Broncos won that Super Bowl. It was because of that defense. So I do understand where you're coming from, John. But uh, you know, just I keep bringing it up. We were just talking about this on off the ball where. Defense is important because the talent gap between the best defensive lineman and the second best is a lot further than the best wide receiver and the second best wide receiver, you know, or the first best running back and the second best running back. They're a lot closer together than, say, cornerback or pass rusher or defensive tackle or linebacker. 
Um, I do understand wanting to shore up that defense because of the weapons that they're going to have to defend in that in that division. Um, but I think in this draft, they have to address quarterback, whether it be in the first round or second round, maybe even third. Maybe take a flyer on a guy like uh, Kellen Mond or um, you know Trask or someone like that. Um, if none of the guys are available that you absolutely love at, at number nine. But um, I think Trey Lance Jr. might be a guy worth taking a risk on. To me, he has a little bit of that um, ability to make something out of nothing, which you need to have in the NFL now. And um, he, they do have decent enough weapons to where he won't be, you know, a liability, as big of a liability in his rookie season. Definitely desperation comes at the quarterback position for my Broncos. I'll admit an embarrassing moment here. 2016, and they drafted Lynch. I uh, could say I was excited about it, and I can't believe saying that now. After two games, this guy was so bad, I would have Drew Luck over Paxton Lynch. But, again, you talk about defense, and I do have the same point kind of I was saying last night with our, our network here is that if John Oway never got Peyton Manning, would he have even made the playoffs, much less get to a Super Bowl? Because now you're the one that got Trevor Simeon, who had 2016. You're that close to making the playoffs. He nearly had 30 touchdowns on the year, only 13 picks. And, of course, it goes downhill from there. You get you let Brock Osweiler go. And Which was a good thing. Exa- I agree. But then you bring him back one more time after he spent some time with the Texans. The Browns, I mean, my gosh, here, John Noe, I uh, I don't really know what to say, but I don't want to say too much because I plan on hopefully working for them one day. There you go. I don't want to be like a certain person on a network that got in trouble with a certain organization. We're talking so much trash, but he knows who we're talking about. But again, folks, like we do on every episode, let's go to this afternoon's final thoughts. And Steven, it's always fun to maybe talk some trash or disagree on some opinions, but it's always good talking basketball or football or anything with you. But, man, do you have any final thoughts or kind of anything, your shout-outs or anything working on currently? Yeah, so um, thank you so, again so much, John, for the opportunity to be able to link up, man. It's uh, Every time you reach out to have me on the show, man, I'm so humbled. It's always nice to have someone want to, you know, bring you onto their show. It's uh, So I appreciate you having me. Um. Anyone who's interested in content that I do, I'm on a, a a program called Dash Radio. It's an app you can get on your phone. So all you do is go to your favorite app place and go look up Dash Radio. Look up the Nothing But Net channel. That's N-O-T-H-I-N, Nothing But Net channel. And every Monday and Friday, me and my buddy Austin Carr, we co-host a show called Breaking the Game, where we talk about basketball. Last episode, we did our award show. Um, tomorrow, I'm actually recording with a guy by the name of Lee Branscombe who writes at Witch, Witch Carolina. He's uh, kind of an NBA draft expert. And so we're going to be talking about you know rookies that he liked um, coming into this season and how he's looked with the, the players that he liked. Um, some of the guys coming in next season who are going to be the you know top prospects, guys that may be overhyped, guys that are kind of flying under the radar that he really likes. So if you like basketball, it's a good it's a good program to check out. But um, I also write and contribute for Off the Ball Network. Um, if you want to go check that out, that's at offtheballnetwork.com. I have an article out right now on, on a number of different things. Um, I'm working on an article now that's basically recapping how strange this NBA season has been. Um, 
and I, I I contribute there a lot of number another excuse me a whole another number of players and um, writers and stuff like that podcasters all contribute there as well so go check out offtheballnetwork.com we have all your sports needs there and thank you so much y'all again uh, Stephen Gillespie what he does they have a, they're doing a lot of great things over there so we'll make sure to put in the description down below but uh, thank you so much for coming on man and. Let's see this offseason if my certain opinions about certain NBA players do change. But again, thank you so much, man. We'll definitely have, have you on again come certain teams' NBA playoff appearances or exits. Sounds good. Thanks, man. All right. What is up, y'all? Corn, you know, I don't know, man, if I have seen someone, and I think I said this a while back when he first came on the network, was I don't know if I've seen someone with, someone, someone with the drive and passion to make it in the industry like I've seen with, with you. And um, You know, that's my boy, that dude, 2020. I like the, the name. Where did the, the, the drive and fire and passion in some people is not quite there for this type of an industry because it's cutthroat. It's very, you know, up and down roller coaster of emotion. So I don't know if I've seen a person, though, who probably has been so appreciative of a chance that they were given. Corn, like I've said, though, man, is, um, you know, again, you're one of the new guys on this network. And again, I know that you're very appreciative, though, of of me kind of giving you the shot here. But it- how did you get blocked by LeBron James on Twitter? I don't know if I've seen so much drive and energy and passion uh from someone maybe other than me from this industry. Juan is truly a rising star in this industry. He knows his stuff. Uh, you know, he's not afraid to go at people and he's a guy that you want to go to bat for. And I'm so thankful that he's part of our network. 